We're starting week number one, a brand new series here called It Is Written. Um, if you're like me, um, sometimes you need to see something in order to believe it. A lot of times we are that way. Many of us are that way. We need to see it, then we can believe it. Well, with the exception of gossip, we don't have to see that. It's like, what? She, she did what? I don't believe it. I do believe it. <laughs> Gossip. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good hot topic, isn't it? Well, sometimes I have to see things to believe them. And sometimes you do too. That's just kind of the way that we are wired, at least if you're like me. But here's the thing. Sometimes we have trouble believing all of these things that, that, uh, that we are trying to believe about the Bible and about God. It can be difficult. Because we can kind of get lost because we don't, we, we weren't there. We didn't see it. And sometimes we have trouble believing. But here's the thing. God really has an answer for that. And, and it goes a long way really into helping me believe when I understand his answer to that. Now let's hit pause for just a moment. Um, I, you, you may not read my blog and that's okay. Um, I've got a uh, I've got uh, a snapshot here of one of my blog entries. There it is. Um, that's it. And this happens to be the day a couple weeks ago that the storm. In fact, the date's on there, November seventeenth. That day that big storm rolled through, and I had a great view of it. I was watching through these big windows, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be a good one." And soon the chairs started blowing through the parking lot, and they were going like this. And I then was there like, was a cow. A cow went by. <laughs> oh wait, that's, no, that was me. I walked yeah. by the mirror. <laughs> But it was, I just had a great view. And, I, and so I started, I wrote a little, I took a, a screenshot of my storm thing and my radar on my phone and, and I started writing. And as I was watching it, I was just writing down some information on this blog and I was writing as it was happening. So really it was history because it was already happening. Um, and I was writing about it. So listen, I, you read my stuff. I, I know it is not impressive. I know this. I know that's, that was not the storm. That was impressive. Me writing about what happened, not, not impressive. I know this. But I, maybe I could impress you. If somehow I was able to write down today some things that were going to happen in your life like next week, and I mean write it down in detail, that would impress you, right? And freak me out a little bit. It would, yeah. It freaked me out. I was like, whoa, I did that? Wow. I'm going to get a bonus. I'm going to get a, like a job promotion to profit. <laughs> nice. But it's not going to happen. I'll go ahead and tell you that. I thought maybe I had a dream of, about a month ago of something, and I called up somebody. I said, hey, tell me, did this really happen? They were like, no. Ah. Not a prophet yet. <laughs> anyway, so if I could do that, that would be impressive. But you know what would be even more impressive than that? Is if, if like somebody wrote something down hundreds of years ago about you, and it was in detail about you. 
but it was written down hundreds of years ago, that would be impressive. And what would be even more impressive than that is if several people wrote down hundreds and hundreds of years before you were ever in existence some details about you, that would be impressive. That's what God did. And God did that, really, he did that, I I think, for us. Knowing that there would be generations of people who were removed from some of those events. And it's like God's thumbprint saying, you know what? I really am a part of this. This really is my plan. And so it was written long before it ever happened. And it happened. So my writing, not so impressive. That writing... That, well, that's impressive because it's precisely what God did for us. And it it kind of is him saying, this is real. This is my thumbprint. This really is for real. He told us some important events that would happen before they ever happened. And he had them written down. And in most cases, it was hundreds of years, hundreds of years before it ever happened. It's as if he's saying, see, I told you. I told you before it happened. Then it happened. See? This really is me, my plan. That's pretty cool. So a number of years ago, a man named Peter Stoner, insert joke there, a man named Peter Stoner. Hey, Mr. Chichin Chong's friend. (laughs) Thank you. High five. A man named Peter Stoner, um, he, he put together some numbers. He was a scientist, a mathematician. Any of this stuff I'm getting ready to talk about that you don't understand, talk to this guy right here. And so he'll be available after the worst experience is over. <laughs> we'll have a booth set up, and he'll be there um, answering questions, blessing children, all kinds of things. It's going to be good. So, um, so Peter Stoner. Peter Stoner, he is a scientist, um, and he put together the probability of, of this, all this coming together and this really happening. And so here's what he came up with. You know, there were, there were hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. And Peter Stoner said, what if, what if just eight of those prophecies were to come true? Just eight. I mean, Jesus fulfilled all of them, hundreds. But what are the chances that one man could fulfill just eight of those prophecies? That's what he began to work with. And he worked on it and he came up with the numbers as only a scientist could. Here are the numbers. The chances of one man being Jesus of Nazareth who to to fulfill just eight, not all, just eight of the prophecies The chances are right here, 1 and 10 to the 17th power. Now look at that number there, 1 and 10 to the 17th, 10 to the 17th power is a 1 with 17 zeros behind it, and that number, that has a name, it's 1 and 100 quadrillion. That's a big number, right? Now, Peter went on to help us understand just how big that number is. The chances, 
of one man fulfilling the eight, just eight of the prophecies is one man out of 100 quadrillion. How that doesn't look all that impressive, that number. So let's talk about just what that is in a picture, okay? So let's just imagine, Peter said this. He said, just imagine if you were to take uh, the state of Texas and you're going to put some silver dollars, about that big, silver dollars in that state of Texas. And he said, you would need to fill the state of Texas with silver dollars, cover all the ground with silver dollars. That's a lot of silver dollars. But he said, that's not enough. You need to cover the ground and make it two feet deep, full of silver dollars, the entire state of Texas. He said, you need to take one silver dollar and somehow fly through a helicopter and drop, paint one silver dollar red. I've, I've got something here. Paint, here we go. Paint one red and here's another one. <laughs> but he, they can only have one. Paint one silver dollar red, just one. Fly in a helicopter anywhere, and then at some point say stop there. Drop that one anywhere in the state of Texas. Take a giant wooden spoon and stir up the state of Texas. Mix up the silver dollars somewhere buried in the state of Texas, and that two feet deep of silver dollars would be one. Then take a man, take a man, uh, didn't see any of that happen. And here's what you tell him. We're going to blindfold you and you're going to walk through. You could drive if you want, but you've got to go blindfolded. somewhere blindfolded. Yeah, but he's the only one. Okay. <clears throat> no one don't else. Don't try around. this at home. You got to, don't try this at home. You got, you got to get somewhere. We're going to, we're going to make him walk. It's just safer through the state of Texas, but go as far as you want. You can go one mile, you can go 10, you can go a hundred, you can go 500 miles. Doesn't matter. You pick, you choose blindfolded, walk through there. And at some point you choose stop and where you stop, reach your hand into the two feet of silver dollars right there where you are and pull one out and that one where you stopped blindfolded, didn't look, and it's anywhere in the state of Texas pulled it out, and it's the red silver dollar. He says, that's the odds. The odds of one man just doing that and coming up with the, the red silver dollar, that's the odds of one man by chance, by coincidence, just so happens, was able to fulfill just eight of the prophecies. And many of those prophecies, Jesus had no control personally over that out. It just, because as we'll talk about in a moment, they were before he was born prophecies. One man, that's the chances. And it was just eight prophecies. To me, I mean, that's impressive. That To me, that says there's a thumbprint of God that says that can't happen by chance. That's amazing. That's impressive. But here's the thing. There were more than eight prophecies. So Peter Stoner said, okay, 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 okay. Let's take this to the, another level. Let's say, what are the odds of one man fulfilling 48 of those prophecies. And there were more. 
that Jesus fulfilled all of them. There were more, but let's just say, so we can do the math, let's just say he only did 48. What are the odds? So he put the math together, put his little scientific brain, big, big brain to work, and here's what he came up with. The odds of one man fulfilling 48 prophecies, it's one in 10 to the 157th power. That's a one with 157 zeros behind it. It is one, and get this, I mean, one, one chance in 10 unquaquin gentilians. That's a real number. I think you made that up. I did not make it up. <laughs> I am not that smart. That's the number. One in ten, I got to read it, unquaquin gentilian. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And I, I know even honestly that, I mean, that doesn't look like that big of a number. I mean, we can print it on a screen. So let's use a picture because that's going to help me understand how big that number is. So let's see. To help us get an idea here, um, we're going to, the, the silver dollar, that is way too big for the, to help us understand this. So we're going to use something smaller. We're going to use an electron. Now, electron, it's part of an atom. So you have electrons running all through your body. There, but let me give you an idea how small this is. So we're going to take an inch, an inch of electrons. If you were to line up electrons end by end in a straight line for one inch, not that inch, because that's a little big on the screen, but a real inch, end to end, one line of electrons, um, let's see, that would be, um, my notes tell me 2.5 times 10 to the 15th power, which means nothing to me. So let me tell you, give you an idea of how many electrons that is to fit in one inch end to end to make one inch, one line of electrons. You would have to count them. Now to do it, you're going to count day and night. So you're not going to be able to take a break while you count these. Um, and you're going to need to count four electrons every second, day and night, for somewhere around 19, 19 million years, for real. <laughs> to count one inch of electrons, 19 million years. No breaks. If you're a smoker, you are <laughs> out of luck. For 19 million years. That's a lot of electrons, right? Okay, so I give you an idea. One inch, 19 million years to count them. That's not enough to be one in 10 to the 157th power. We need something bigger to put them in. Uh, a one inch is not going to do it. So we got a, a couple ideas here. Here's the first idea of what we could put them in. That We could put them in that, but it's not big enough. We need something bigger to put this number of electrons in. So let's see what else. That would be bigger. That would be, if it takes you 19 million years to count one linear inch of electrons, 
that's, that would be a lot of electrons if you filled that. But it's not big enough. We got to go bigger. What do we have? What's next? What's the next picture then? <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> there it is. Now the earth. If we were to fill the earth, if it takes you 19 million years, it, that's a lot of electrons. But the problem is it's not big enough. So let's see what we've got next. Coming up. Okay, let's see. There's earth right there somewhere in that area. The, the third rock from the sun. Third rock from the sun. Thank you, NBC. <laughs> CBS, one, one of those guys. That's it. So little bitty earth. So we could go to Jupiter, Saturn. Those are giant. Those are not big enough. We could look at the sun. Wow. That, the sun, that would be... Uh, if it takes one, one inch, 19 million years, you understand the sun would be a lot, but not big enough. But we're going to use the sun for a moment. So let's leave this on the screen for just a moment. Now, I know some of you may be wanting to literally run out of here at this moment because you're like, did we come to the wrong place? I thought we were talking about Jesus. <laughs> Please don't leave yet. <laughs> Please don't leave yet. You can leave later, but just not yet. Because I want you to understand, this is not what God has done here is not by chance. It takes, it takes uh, for light from the sun to get to the third rock there, earth. It takes eight minutes for it to travel to the earth. Eight minutes. And you're like, that's no big deal. Well, here's, to me, it's a big deal because here's the thing. Light travels eight, one, about 186 or 87,000 miles a second. That's how fast it travels. And it takes it eight minutes to get from there to there. Do you know how far light travels in a year? If it travels 186,000 miles a second in one year, it travels 6.4 trillion miles miles in one year. So let's say, let's just say we could take a ball that is 6.4 trillion miles. That's one light year, 6.4 trillion miles in diameter wide. That's a big ball. Fill that with electrons. That do you get the enormity here? But here's the problem. That's not big enough. You would have to take of those balls, it would take 6.4 trillion miles in diameter. You would have to take 12 billion. See? We're all impressed with that. <laughs> 12 billion balls that are 6.4 trillion miles wide. 12 billion. Now think of the container that could hold that. And you're not quite there yet. It would take... I was lost on this a long time ago. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, though. That ball 
that contained, that was 12 billion times 6.4 trillion miles in diameter. We would have to have a container that would hold trillions and trillions and trillions of that ball. That was 12 billion times 6.4 trillion miles in diameter in order to hold 10 to the 157th power of electrons, which just so happened one inch of them, you counting four electrons per second for one inch would take you 19 million years. That's a lot of electrons. And you take one man, blindfold him, send him out on a rocket ship, and you say, you pick, stop anywhere. You can stop in 19 million years, or you can stop in 1 million years, whatever. Or one day, doesn't matter, anywhere in that ginormous space. Stop, take out some kind of telescopic device. <laughs> and pick I think you at mean, that one spot. I think you mean microscopic device. Microscopic, thank you. I did. <laughs> Some kind of uber, super, microscopic <laughs> device. Thank you. And in that one little section, out of pure, just, I'm going to stop here, you find the one red electron. The odds of one man fulfilling just 48 of the prophecies are the same as that man finding. And you know it's not right, right? You know, you know it's not by chance. Because you can't take a man and send him to the kitchen to find the ketchup. <laughs> it's not there. It just appears when she walks in the Exactly. Room. So you know this was not by chance. And this is God's thumbprint. God's saying, you know what? This is my story. This is my plan. It could not have happened by chance. It's impossible. It is impossible. So, God saying, see? It was written before it ever happened. It would be impossible for it to happen by chance, but Jesus made it happen. And for me, for me, it's just another one of those proofs. It's like God saying, here, I just wanted to give you another reason to believe. It was written before it happened. That somehow God supernaturally gave this prophetic information and had it written down hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And then it happened just like he said it would. Information about Jesus, our Messiah. Jesus, 
Emmanuel. God with us. God for us. God in place of us. Because he was born for this. I'm going to ask you to join Donnie and the band as we explore just a sample of some of these prophecies because it was written before it ever happened. Right. Long before it ever happened. Um, it was written that the Messiah would come from the line of Abraham and, and Isaac and, and Jacob and that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. And it was written long before it happened that the Messiah would be born of a woman. And in Matthew chapter 1, we, we find just that event happening in history. In verse 18, this is what it says. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary. Now let's pause here for just a moment and look at the Old Testament about 3,500 years before this event took place. Moses wrote down what God told him to. A prophecy about the Messiah being born. And we can find it in Genesis chapter 3. And this is what it says. It says, And I will cause hostility between you, speaking of Satan, and the woman, prophetically speaking of Mary. And between your offspring and her offspring, and that is speaking of Jesus. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, if we go back down to Matthew chapter 1, it says Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. God for us. God in place of us. He was born for this. As we pick up back in Matthew chapter 1, where the story left off, this is what it says. It says that Joseph, her fiancé, he was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. It was written 700 years before it happened that the Messiah would be born in this little town of Bethlehem. And we can find it in Micah chapter 5. Listen to what it says. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you. One whose origins are from the distant past. It was 700 years before it happened. 
And then it happened just as it was written. In Matthew chapter 2, it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah during the reign of King Herod. Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in place of us, and he was born just for this. And in Matthew chapter 1, speaking of Mary, it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And it was written long, long before it happened that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and that the Messiah would be called Emmanuel. And we find it that it was written 700 years before it took place. And the prophet Isaiah wrote it down. And this is what he said. He said, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And that's exactly what happened. In Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph woke up, He did just as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in place of us. And he was born for this. somewhere around 750 years before it took place. It was written that the Messiah would spend just a short time of his life in Egypt. And we can find it in Hosea chapter 11, and this is what it said. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. And it happened just as it was written. Matthew chapter 2. It says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And because of the coming massacre of the children, Jesus was sent into Egypt. And this massacre that took place at the birthplace of Jesus was predicted long before it happened. We can find that in Jeremiah chapter 31. And this is what it says. A cry is heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted 
for her children are gone. And that's what happened. Matthew chapter 2 says, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years older and under based on the wise men's first report of the, the star, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. And Herod's brutal actions fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeped for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. You know, throughout the history of humanity, men have said that they've had this answer to life after death. And because when we look at the bigger picture, you know, that is that's really the question, the question that we all have to deal with sometime in our life. Because we all know that it's eventually going to come. And many men have lived claiming to know how to, to reach heaven, how to reach God, or even some teaching how to become a God. But when this little baby was born in a small town out of the way named Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary, this little baby at that point in time had accomplished more than all of those other guys put together. Because he had done what no man could do. Because he wasn't just another man. He was Emmanuel. God with us. God for us. The God who died in place of us. Because he was born just for this. So, it was written long before it ever happened. That's God's thumbprint. It's him saying, this is my plan. Can you imagine a God who is the most creative, the, the, the greatest artist to have ever existed can you imagine him doing his plan in some kind of normal, mamsy, pamsy kind of way? No. Our amazingly creative God chose to redeem, to purchase his creation, you and me, in an amazingly creative, spectacular way. And just to help people like you and me. Because we were going to be generations removed from this event. He wrote it down. Hundreds of years before it ever happened. To say this is my thumbprint. This is my signature. And it's written from the beginning of time. It is written in red. Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, who is God with us, God for us. If you're a believer, God in us, and certainly God in place of us. He 
was born for this. Perhaps this morning, maybe for the first time, you're beginning to think, you know what? I I have struggled with some elements of this, but my heart is telling me right now to believe. Here's how you believe. Because somehow God takes that belief and he turns it into a relationship. An eternal, forever relationship. And here's how you get that started. You just answer some simple questions. Do you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for you? If you say, yes, I believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for me, then here's my next question. Do you believe that three days later he rose again, as the Bible tells us? The Bible wrote it down before it ever happened. Do you believe that? That he died for you and three days later he rose again. If you believe that, then here's what that means. It means when Jesus died on the cross, he purchased you. That was the payment. His death, his horrible death on the cross was a payment for you. And it means he purchased you. If you believe that, he purchased you. And your life now is in his hands. You belong to him. Do you believe he died for you? Do you believe that three days later he rose again? If you say yes, then you're saying yes to this. He purchased your life. And you belong to him. You belong to him. Now, we spend the rest of our lives getting to know this amazing Messiah, this amazing God. We don't do good things so that we can earn our way in or keep our seat in heaven. That's not why we do good things. Because if that were up to us, then we would never make it. The reason why we allow our lives to be changed is not so that we can earn what he's already given us. No. It's so we can just simply say thank you for what you did. And we allow him to change our lives from the inside out for the rest of our lives. For some of you right now in this moment, when I say, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe that three days later he rose again? Your heart is saying, yes, Harley, I believe that. I've never told anybody that yet, but I I believe that. I, I mean, this morning you have helped us understand that this could not be a chance. This could not be an accident. That this was God's masterpiece plan. And if that's you for the first time, you're really believing that for the first time and saying, God, you purchased my life. It's yours. You can have it. If you're saying that, then on the back of your connection card, before we take those up, in just a few moments, we're going to take them up. Before we do, on the back, mark the spot that says, you're making Christ the boss of your life. You're choosing to become a Christ follower. Would you mark that? Now, here's what we're asking everyone to do. As a next step this week, we're hoping that this morning you were encouraged but we know that you have family members and you have friends who need to be encouraged. Maybe they've struggled with doubt. Maybe they've, they have just struggled to believe. Would you invite them to sit beside you during every week 
of this series. That's all we're asking you to do. As a next step, would you be a part of this series and would you invite that person who has been struggling or or who is searching, would you invite them to sit beside you as we look at how God's plan was written down before it ever happened? Would you join us and invite that person who may be struggling to believe? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to pass the giving buckets. And that's where your connection cards go. But would you just pause with me for just a moment. And let's address our Heavenly Father together. God. I am so very, very thankful. That you put your thumbprint, your signature, written in red throughout the scriptures. And that, God, you wrote it down many things before they ever happened to help people like me believe. I am so thankful. Thank you that you had written down that this young woman would have a son. And he was going to be called Jesus, Emmanuel, our God, God living among us. God, thank you that you had a plan that you knew one day we would be sitting in this movie theater, but for the purpose of seeking you. Thank you that you've got a plan. And God, some of my friends here this morning for the first time are saying to you, God, I recognize your plan. You have purchased my life and I freely give it to you. God, we have many others who are saying, We have people in our lives that need to be encouraged, that need to be walked, escorted, lovingly walked to you. God, help us to do that through this series as we point our friends to you. It's in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, our Emmanuel, God with us that we pray. Amen.